Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I consent to this podcast. Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and Webster's Dictionary defines summer <laughs> as the season between spring and autumn comprising in the northern hemisphere, usually mm. of the months of June, July, and August, or as reckoned astronomically, oh, sorry, or as reckoned astronomically extending from the June solstice to the summer equinox. And in this podcast, we will be discussing what we did on our summer vacations. <laughs> Dan, hi. We, we hi, might have Anna. confused some people. Yes. Welcome to Space the Nation, though, where we look at science fiction through the lens of ecological international relations and... Fuck this. It's, it's summer. <laughs> I'm not going to do more research than I have to. So. Fair enough. Today Fair. we're Today, we're going to be talking about what we did on our summer vacation beyond... The stuff we watched that we obviously recorded and talked about for Hot Sci-Fi Summer, you know, The Terminator, Highlander, They Live, Predator, Prey, and so forth. You know, Anna and I have lives. We, we do other stuff, too. And some of that stuff was actually kind of sci-fi relevant. In the next few weeks, we're going to be taking, uh, we're going to be having a whole mailbag episode. And then we'll be, I believe, diving into For All Mankind. For All Mankind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for the mailbag, mm -hmm. let, let me get in the mailbag, yeah. you send your questions. It's like an AMA, mm -hmm. but via email, right. if that helps people understand. Um, uh, there used to be this thing called mail. <laughs> it was collected in bags. Our younger listeners may not know. No, so I, I had to show explain. my son once how to actually go to the post office, like what that entailed, because <laughs> he had never done it. So send your questions, comments, whatever, to spacethenationmail at gmail.com. And if you put mailbag in the subject line, that would be very helpful. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, if you haven't yet, maybe consider <laughs> becoming a patron. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash spacethenation. Lots of benefits come with being a patron. You know, you get early access to the podcast. You get access to our monthly AMAs. You get access to the very entertaining Discord uh, that goes on. Anna, what else? Uh, well, yeah, someday we'll do. have swag. We've yeah. promised. Yeah. Someday it will happen. We'll get mm -hmm. T-shirts and, you know, merch. People have actually submitted some really clever ideas for it, too. I'll get on it. I will. Yes. You know, my, yes. It's on my list. However, but it's summer vacation. You don't have to get into it right now. But like, it's after Labor Day. It's you August. Know, yeah, yeah, it's August. Yeah. It's a hundred fucking yeah. degrees outside. I'm not. That's I'm right. doing as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> if you are already a patron, or for whatever reason cannot become a patron, you can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it is actually super, super helpful. Or you could tweet at us. You could just write about us on social media. That's true. Uh, I am at Dan Dresner. Uh, she is at Anna Marie Cox. So, Anna, how are you? We're, we're flipping everything. We're this, flipping this, everything this, around. This, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Dan, I discovered something today. I Ooh. learned a new thing, which, okay. you know, as one gets older, I mean, I and know. Dur I, during the summer, no less, yeah, Anna. That is quite summer, I was that, forced to learn this. Okay. Dishwashers have filters. <laughs> Really? They do. And you're supposed okay. to clean them every other week. Every other week, Dan. Every other week. I have lived in houses. That feels like a lie to me. I, I, I don't believe That's you. what the repair guy said because I had to call him because I've never cleaned a filter in my entire fucking life. <laughs> and okay. Yesterday, I woke up to check the dishwasher and there was like really gross stuff at the yeah. bottom. And I tried to do <laughs> this what is I the good stuff listeners yeah i did what i could i did not take a picture of the filter because i think it's illegal it's some kind of you know human experiment like mm. <laughs> but yeah hey the aspca would have come and taken yeah. away your pets yes uh yeah. listeners 
clean those filters. Apparently, drains are very forgiving. And you can get away for a long time without cleaning them. However, if, say, you go on a spree during your summer of eating nothing but salads, (laughs) and therefore (laughs) there's lots of, like, leafy greens (laughs) on your your plates... Okay, so actually, wait a minute. Now I'm, there's a couple things I, this is inspiring thoughts on. The first are, I do like the idea that roughage forces you to, to deal with your pipes even more, not just, you know, in terms of plumbing. Yeah. But second, this also might be a <laughs> fundamental, I have a question. How much do you rinse your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher? See, I there I, we go. I read somewhere that the modern dishwasher can handle a fair amount of debris. Yeah, it's total bullshit. That is no. Nope, I now nope, know this that is not to be true. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm like, there are two kinds of people in this world, Anna. There are the people who actually like, you know, but don't why do you, scrub that's the dishes, washing them. Why? But like, rinse them off. Get all get all like the serious stuff off, and then put them in the dishwasher. And then there are the people like, no, that's what the dishwasher is for. My brother is in the latter category. I'm in the former. category. He should clean his filter. You should let him know. <laughs> you really, I, like immediately. Ben, <laughs> like, if you're hearing this, clear your filter. I don't know if this applies to Australia, but for the love of God, clean your filter. On the other hand, this is why I think I haven't had a a plumber. Probably someone tell me that this. is probably yeah. it, Dan. Yes, I fully, I accept responsibility. I I did it. And I also had Mm -hmm. to pay someone to come out and tell me that I did it. So that was fun. So I feel like I've suffered enough, Dan. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about why we are doing what we did on our summer vacation. Fair enough. I, I think it's pretty simple, which is, as I said, we do have lives beyond this. It's not like we only watched, you know, <laughs> 1980s uh, sci-fi movies over the summer, although that would be kind of an awesome summer, to tell you the truth. But, you know, we watch and read a lot of other stuff. We only do this once a week because we have day jobs and or other tasks that we have to do. But we felt that we did want to talk about them. And you know what? We really like talking about it with each other. Yes. Um, you know, there are times where I think we've come up with an idea for an episode because we were just texting about something that we both watched and we're like, Oh, that Wait. is actually, that's legit happened several yeah. times. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, and that was basically the, the inspiration for this. So as it turns out, a lot of what we were both watching was MCU stuff, but there's other stuff. We're going to be talking about stuff we both watched, stuff that, that Anna only watched and stuff that I have only watched. And then we, if we have time, we're going to try to yeah. keep this... Within the hour that, for some reason, yeah. is what we have decided our podcast should be. Yeah. We might talk about stuff that we enjoyed that was not sci-fi. Although... That's correct. Yeah. Something that I discovered about myself making this list is that I mm-hmm. pretty much watch a lot of science fiction. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It, like, even the ones that, like, I've... I've yeah, there are some others that, like, are, are list with right, sci-fi adjacent would yes. be the way, you know, potentially yeah. to put it. Yeah. Um, but this also raises an interesting question, Anna, which is... You know, in the in the words of Passover, is the summer different? Like, are your viewing <laughs> habits... How is this summer different from other how, summers? Well, how is this season different from all other seasons? In other words, do you find that you, like, watch different things during the summer as opposed to during, you know, the other three seasons? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I like Bigger and Dumber during the mm-hmm. summer. I went to see several of the movies that... Well, several movies in a theater. I was really looking forward to seeing Thor... Love and mm. Thunder in a theater. Yeah. I haven't actually been this month, besides, I guess, Thor counts as this month. But I also saw, I went and saw, like, I went and saw, um, God, what's the terrible Jared Leto movie that I actually, I think I tried to get Morbius? you to, Morbius. I saw Morbius. 
Oh God! Yeah, that's right. No, I haven't seen that yet. Um, uh, actually, in the theater, in the re-release of it, because uh-huh. I just like seeing I like seeing big dumb movies in theaters during the summer. So I, so I confess I that I enjoyed just, Morbius. Like I don't know, like I don't quite get the hate. Like oh, that's interesting. Okay, well now now I might need to watch it to see whether or not I have the same take. But mm-hmm. uh, that's fascinating. No, I I, be, I think I haven't been to a theater since Thor: Love and Thunder. Although part of that is for me. Because we're going on this big vacation, like I've been acting in a more risk averse way than I normally would. Because mm-hmm. like I don't want to get COVID just before something where I'm supposed to go and yeah. knock on wood that won't happen. But who knows? My uncle got COVID on an Alaska cruise last. Oh, month. that sucks. Confined to his yeah. cabin on this yeah, not I... not inexpensive. Oh, <laughs> once God, in a that lifetime. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. No, basically, I want to avoid that happening, hopefully. All right. Well, let's let's talk about what we enjoyed. It, it yes. is true that the stuff that overlaps is all MCU. That is correct. <laughs> so we're going to go through the last three MCU shows, and then we will pivot to some other stuff. So we're going to go from, I think, oldest to newest. So we're yes. going to start with actually something I think started airing in the spring. But did you like just did you like binge watch it or did you watch it as it was coming out on it? I binge watched it. Okay, so we're I, talking for some about, reason, go ahead. Yes, yeah. we're talking about Moon Knight starring Oscar Isaac, yes. And it stars Oscar Isaac, and maybe that's all people need to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so really, we're not going to go, we're not going to do, it, it's summer. We're not going to be doing deep dives into this stuff. Oh, no, We're no, mostly no. just going to be talking about what we liked and what we didn't like. So let's just start with what we liked. And I think, Anna, I think you were going to lead off with this. So Yeah, uh, yeah like Oscar Isaac. It? I mean, he's he's yeah. one of, he's a mesmerizing actor. You know, he's mm-hmm. one of my many secret boyfriends. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think he really elevated a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And it could have been, I think it was going to be decent. I mean, I think Marvel stuff has a pretty high floor. Yeah. Um, but I think Except he elevated, the Eternals, yes. Yes. Uh, I think he elevated it a bit. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's just so magnetic and, like, so committed. And I, for some reason, was not initially attracted to this for some reason. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. why. Like, I just was like, I don't know. That hero sounds weird. <laughs> to be fair, you're not wrong in that assumption. This is and a weird hero. hero is weird. Yes. But I wound up enjoying it very much. You also liked it so yes uh, that uh, i felt the same way i mean i have to i'm not gonna lie when i watched the first episode the british character that he plays that's steven right yeah yeah it was just i was like what the hell are they doing i couldn't figure out like it was just a bizarre character to me and and i couldn't quite get it and you know then of course you see think i i live this way i i was not high on this show after the first episode but i what i really liked was the very weird turn the show took basically after mark died after mark slash steven slash other guy uh who shall not be named dies <laughs> and then you know suddenly you see him in a mental institution and there are real questions about what's going on and that actually was interesting because clearly this is a guy who suffers mental issues and it was a valid argument to be said no no he was actually like hallucinating the whole time and weirdly seeing oscar isaac play off of oscar isaac was actually pretty awesome like that, that I, that I actually thought was one of the best aspects of the show. Yeah, he he does. That's not low bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and he no. he did well. I I thought too. He did well. Um, another thing that I liked, 
is the female lead, May Kalamawe, I think is her name, who winds up becoming the Scarlet Scarab. And also, special shout out for the Scarlet Scarab outfit. That was banging. <laughs> it really was. Good outfit. You know, and I'm glad she got to be the superhero, too. So that was something else. And uh, she's the first Arab superhero. Yes. And Dan, I'm surprised you didn't mention... Moon Knight is the first canonically Jewish, Jewish superhero. Yes, I did like that Mark was Jewish. That's true. So, yes, I kept thinking Oscar Isaac, you know, th- th- was this good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? Like, <laughs> and on the one hand, yes, it's great that we have a Jewish superhero. On the other hand, we have a Jewish superhero with some serious mental health issues. And I'm not entirely sure how good that is. And so, like, you know, that was a little disturbing. Also, abusive Jewish mother. Horrifying. Yeah, that was bad. Let's talk. We'll say we'll go to what we didn't like. I want to say a yeah, few yeah, more yeah. things that okay. I liked. I did like. What else did you like? You know the the representation piece, which unrolled in the way that you like, which is to not put mm-hmm. too much emphasis on it. Right. Uh, I think some of the fight scenes were good. Yeah. Marvel TV Marvel TV fight scenes tend to be not as good, obviously, as the ones in the movies. Yeah. Sometimes they're elevated. I also really liked the idea that all afterlives are real. You yes, know. in other words, it's not one religion. They're all yeah. of them. Like, basically, them every yeah. religion is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is actually a very ecumenical way of thinking about it. And I do think, I, and certainly this way, that's a, it's smart for the MCU to push that. That makes total sense from a, you know, commercial perspective. But also, like, I, I kind of like that I idea. think it might that's be true, right. honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I think because what is belief? Right. Except for the capacity to imagine things. Yes. So maybe they're imagined into being. That's sort of the way yes. I think about it. So fair enough. Uh, let's get to the stuff we didn't like, because um, I think of the three shows we're going to talk about, this was my least favorite. I did not like Ethan Hawke in this. It, it was just sort of a boring superhero, a boring supervillain with a gravelly voice. And I'll be honest, he seemed like he was mailing it in a little bit. Yeah. And why did he walk on? Gla- I mean, I sort of get why he walked on glass. But yeah, like, like that was like that. So the, the show opens with, with a very disturbing Legit, yeah, and like, it, interesting. legit interesting way of doing it of like the Ethan Hawke character like drinking a glass of water, smashing the glass, putting it in his feet, and then walking without pain. And that is ne- it, it's Chekhov's <laughs> broken glass that is never revisited. <laughs> I was like, you know, is the is it, a thing that's never revisited like the Nabokov's thing? Like, oh, I don't <laughs> know. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, is there an anti-Chekhov? Like, is it the Sulu? I don't. You yeah, know. this. Uh, no, that's that is. Funny. I'm sorry about that. Thank that you. Was, that uh, is that is good. Yes. That is good. Yeah. I agree. And like his whole yeah, it, he's it's a waste of Ethan Hawke. I think. Right, Ethan Hawke is. It, I, it, this is not a diss on Ethan Hawke. It's just like the the role was not terribly interesting. Yeah. A few other things I didn't like. I, so I do agree that some of the the fight scenes were quite good, and also in particular before they reveal what's happening, there's some interesting ways in which they edit the fight scenes where, like, they're literally parts that are cut out, and then, like, suddenly you see the character in a different situation. I actually thought that was great, and it sort of, you know, makes you identify with Steven in particular at yeah. least to start. That said, the climactic fight was cut. <laughs> you know, which seemed like a bullshit move, and, like, the true reveal of the entire series doesn't happen until the mid credit sequence, where you discover that there is a third identity contained within the Oscar Isaac yeah, spoilers character. for Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that that one is still under the thrall of Khonshu, I believe, which is the Egyptian god that has yes. saved him. So that just struck me as kind of like a bullshit move. The other thing I would say, like, let me put this way, when I was done with this, I was like, okay, that was interesting. And I actually, there was a small part of me that hopes Moon Knight never appears again. Because, like, I'm not sure... That's really funny. ...how, like 
he's supposed to interact with it. Like, you know, one of the appeals of the MCU is the idea that there is this larger universe. But, like, I don't know how this character would fit in with all of that, to tell you the truth. That's a really good point. Because one of the things I almost put in sort of in my liked list was I yeah. did feel that this is the least Marvel-y right. thing I've seen in a while out of Marvel. Yeah. Right. It just Which isn't a bad thing. Different. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. It just yeah. fe- it has a very different tone and a right. very different way of like treating its characters, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you know what it is? I, I just realized this. It's that I can't think of another Marvel movie that has an unreliable first per- like first person ish narrator. An unreliable protagonist. Yeah, an unreliable protagonist. I'm trying to think. No, I mean maybe Loki to some extent, but not even there. No, because like he's yeah. like, like what? Because what happens in this universe is there are things that we don't know, and yeah. Mark doesn't know, right? And right. Stephen yeah, doesn't yeah. know, right? And so we are completely adrift. Like that, it's really it takes work to follow the narrative line, which mm-hmm. I, is fine because it's putting us in the shoes of the character. But I can't think of another Marvel property yeah. that does that. Let me put it this way: I, I guess. At the same time that I, I, you're right. Like in some ways, it's good that the MCU does that. That you know, like you want to have variation. But again, one of the pleasures of the MCU for me is the idea that in fact these yeah. characters will eventually interact with each other. And I don't think I want Moon Knight interacting with anyone. Like that's like, it's just he he's, seems, he's a weird character. He seems much more dangerous. Yeah. He, which I think he's supposed to be. Right. You know, but and and again, like I, I actually wound up not putting that on either of my lists, which so I'm glad you brought it up because it is something that I can't decide if I like or dislike. Like it winds up being a good show, yeah. but as with you, I don't know if I ever want to see that character in the MCU. Or the better way to put it is the character is not essential. Yeah. yeah well, I, I also yeah. just don't think he'd mix well. I just don't. Yeah. I can't yeah, see yeah, that, him exactly. bantering. You know. No, he doesn't do banter. Like not with, none of the personalities do banter. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't see it. Like there's a lot of there's yeah there's very little banter. This this yeah. does not have any uh, Joss Whedon. No, d- no, this has been tone to it whatsoever. <laughs> no, the only uh, the only thing where I thought maybe there was a little Joss Whedon is when the uh, the hippo starts talking. <laughs> That's true. All right, I'm going to yeah, move on. Yeah. We're, we have we have a lot yeah, to cover. We do. Yes. You mentioned the you know superhero with a, a mental health problem. This got some kind of talk in you know the circles I travel in, the mental health mm-hmm. awareness circles about hey look it's the first MCU character that you know representation destigmatizing multiple well actually it's called disassociative identity disorder now. Disorder, yeah. And I was like, well that'd be interesting. And I don't think it did much for. People who did it, yeah, <laughs> did it, it did really destigmatize? I, I, I don't think, think it, it did. did. I don't no, think so. my conclusion, as I said, like both it, our voices get very high. No, I don't yeah, think so. no, no, like that's like uh, maybe <laughs> I'm not comfortable necessarily with a you know individual with dissociative identity disorder because having superpowers. Yeah, there is a way to destigmatize this stuff. I highly recommend if if people haven't read uh, Esme Wang's. The schizophrenias, I believe it's called, uh, and it's she's has schizophrenia and she's a functioning. It sounds, this is not the way that I want to put it, but for ease of talking about it, I will say she is a high functioning schizophrenic. Let's say, sure. Oh, the okay. collected schizophrenias. That's what it's called. Yes, yes. You know, she lives with her schizophrenia. Like she, she sees things and she hears voices and she just navigates the world that way. You know, like she yeah. she's able to kind of be like, that is not real. 
and I will not <laughs> respond to it, which I just think is amazing. And yeah. that is sort of what I was hoping for. Yeah, that's not what this is. <laughs> that's not what's happening here. Also, part of the issue is is that, like, you know, as you say, like, you know, prob- one of the problems with talking about mental disorders within the context of the MCU is that these are characters that actually are, you know, recognizing that supernatural entities are yeah. real. Um, and so, you know, that raises some awkward issues if you're going to be talking about, like, is it, like, one of the natural, like, symptoms of, of like, schizophrenia or the sort of dissociative identity disorder, the belief that you are, in fact, talking to God? I don't think it comes along with all of that. It's no, not, not with all of it, but it, but, but it is it is sometimes part of a mental disorder to say that. Although now I'm going to recommend everybody read John Krakauer's Under the Banner of Heaven, which makes a really good point okay. about I some religions. I just point out that this is a summer episode and you are assigning <laughs> reading to our I'm listeners. Sorry. So, I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, uh, but go but ahead. Go ahead. One of the really interesting things about that book is it is about a murder that took place in Utah, Mormon fundamentalists, and it was committed by someone who thought he was doing the work of God, that God okay. told him to do this. And in the Mormon tradition, much like the evangelical tradition, by the way, there is a belief that God speaks to individuals. Mm-hmm. And devout Mormons believe that they are, you, they will tell you, I feel led this way. Devout evangelicals too, like I felt led this way. Mm-hmm. I feel like God wants me to do this. Is that crazy? Yeah, Dan, Dan, okay, Dan, for our listeners, Dan, I think, thinks that's crazy. <laughs> I believe that I have, you know... I think this is not a topic for a, what we did this summer. Uh, okay, all right, you're right, you're right. Let's move on to Ms. Marvel. <laughs> yes, we are, we are getting way too deep. That is a fall topic, which we will revisit somehow. Let us revisit <laughs> the problem of God Yes. <laughs> next time. <laughs> all right that's for mailbag maybe <laughs> yeah okay that's a good point yes yes all right let's get to ms, ms. Marvel, marvel which was the follow-up uh, uh show on disney plus okay uh well let's start with what we liked one thing i think we both liked which was surprisingly the partition uh between <laughs> india and pakistan to be, to be clear i did not like the partition no, no, no one is necessarily approving the partition, but the the episode of the partition yes. plays an important role in the plot of Ms. Marble. That is, it turns yeah. out, I believe Kamala's great-grandmother plays a very significant role in terms of, you know, the, there's a key event during the last, the night of partition that winds up, you know, revisiting. And I suspect for a lot of U.S. viewers who were not familiar with the history of the subcontinent, this was an interesting education. I cannot take credit for this observation, but I don't remember where I read it on Twitter, which is that the Watchmen, the TV show, brought white people the Tulsa race massacre, like knowledge oh, yeah, of that. The 1921 one. Yeah. Um, and now we have Americans who are notoriously not interested in things that happen outside of America <laughs> now know about the partition. I, I, yeah. I'm going to just jump in real quick about yeah. a thing I didn't like. We can okay. talk about it more later, which is that all as much as I appreciated the history lesson and it being done, you know, well, mm. I, like, I felt like, let's say how the Watchmen handled the Tulsa race massacre felt much more organic. I would say it was more connected to the larger themes yeah, of the there we show go. There we go. in a way in which, yeah, the, I mean, like, you know, they handled the partition extremely well, but like, truthfully, it didn't have to be during the partition. Like, right. It's not That's like that was these... 
That's, that's I what mean, I mean. Yeah. There is a way in which there's sort of like, you know, I, I suppose you could argue, I can't remember the names of the, the alien species that we deal with in Ms. Marvel. There is the idea of like people being separated from their home. And that's I true. suppose that does kind of fit with the partition. But I will say, and this is no shame on Ms. Marvel, Watchmen did it better yeah. in part because Watchmen it was an amazing show. Not many shows quite got to that level. So like, it's a level I, it, up. It's a level up yeah, from, from yeah. even Marvel's, I think best TV shows. Although we, we didn't someday we'll talk about one division. We need to talk about Watchmen, but uh, let me put it this way. This show is much funnier than Watchmen. So like, yes. you know, for the All summer, right. perfectly happy to take that trade off. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about something that I liked, which is mm-hmm. Kamala's family. I appreciated her whole family as a person without siblings. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not the one to be able to fact check or verify that a sibling relationship seems, uh, you know, legitimate or uh, has verisimilitude to it, but that felt like a real relationship to me, especially her relationship with her parents. Yes, I agree, Anna. Particularly uh, her mother, uh, who was played by Zenobia Shroff, uh, just really like she had she had a presence about her, and like I don't know how to put this, like her the vocal intonation she gave to the mother was like just felt really spot on, and, and she had and, to do a lot. Yeah, like yeah. her role is pretty complicated, much like being a mother is complicated, right? Like there you, you go, have to be yeah. a bad guy and a good guy yes. and communicate both love, care and concern and sometimes genuine anger and frustration mm-hmm. and all of that. And yeah. the scene where she gives Kamala a Hulk costume like mm-hmm. was hilarious and also made me slightly tear up. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's I recognize that so well-meaning and yet the wrong thing and <laughs> as the teenager saying the wrong thing oh yeah you know yes no that was a belie- it was a believable moment and it was be- in other words it was the best kind of of television the best kind of fiction finds conflict not because people are acting malevolently necessarily but because people are acting with good intentions but they are who they are and so eventually there will be conflict as a result so like i thought that was yeah, that and that was what i thought when i was watching that scene anything else you liked um, I did like the Ms. Marvel is interesting because in some ways it's the first post MCU character. Um, Ms. Marvel, <laughs> I think, was—I mean, I assume this was part of it in terms of the creation, but I think Ms. Marvel wasn't created until I think 2011, if I'm not mistaken. But what's interesting about the character Kamala is that she is explicitly a fan of the Avengers and of all the Marvel superheroes and then becomes one. And so like, there's not a lot left that the MCU has in terms of where it can like go somewhere new, but this was somewhere new. The idea of someone who wants to be a superhero and then becomes it. And so that was, you know, that was sweet. It's not like it's a huge theme or anything, but like I, I did, I, 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 I did always like, appreciate yeah, like it that. when Marvel gets into the, what would it really be like if yeah. we had superheroes and how would people yeah. respond to them? And like their uh, own little Marvel con, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I, I like that. that as well. Oh, and also like, this wasn't a huge thing. I like the fact that the popular girl was not the villain. I know that sounds weird. I, I that was a bait and switch and I like yeah. it too. Yeah, like it wasn't a bit like it's not like they should never do that. But like this was a case where like it would it was easy. The show was clever in terms of making you think that this character was going to turn on Kamala and she never does. And because she's a decent person, and it was it's actually a post right John Hughes world. Basically, yes, exactly. That was a, that was that was well done. Anything else uh, for you, Anna? No, let's move on to the stuff that we didn't like. I will okay. go first. You go first. Yeah, I didn't like the way they handled her crushes and boy relationships really Mm -hmm. like i mean i know being an adolescent is it's a confusing time (laughs) 
But there is yes, just something correct. kind of weird about like she gets a crush on Cameron and then I don't know then what happens? Like it's it's sort of a crush and then it goes away and there's like some funny business about like her being discombobulated about the crush and he is a very handsome boy too oh, I yeah, will say yeah. let's like, give credit there yeah as a whatever however old he, old he is I will just say handsome <laughs> but yeah, there you go <laughs> and so there's like some funny but nice business about that but I would have liked just like why do we need a love like why do we need a love interest like why can we just can, so, can we just like have a character introduced and then I guess I'm going to defend this a little bit which is to say you know if you're a 16 year old girl that is probably going to be one of the things top on your list I'm assuming you know this is an aspect of adolescence is like are you actually ever going to be able to date and so forth I assume she hadn't ever dated before and as someone who did not date in high school I can identify with that very strongly <laughs> on it um, so okay you know, that's good for her is all I'm, I'm we'll talk about so. that later dan that yeah. says i i yeah. feel like Fair i unlocked a, a part of you like there's a there's a missing there's something missing piece of, piece of information and now i have it thank you yes what about you what didn't you like so i the larger mythology of like how does who is kamala how does she have her powers who are the jinn i believe who are the the bads the, the bad guys in this like all that was kind of meh to be honest um i it was not terrifically interesting, and the only the only and the heel sl- turn isn't good either. Like, yeah. yeah, you never believe that she's actually properly pro Kamala, right? And so when she turns out to be a villain, like, and then no, also her son still being a good, it's, I, it's a little yeah, it 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 wasn't great. It was like grade C level uh, in terms of this stuff. The the only mild like twist i liked which is i know is not in the comic books but was the suggestion at the very end that the reason kamala has the powers that she does is not just because of the magic bangle but because she might be a mutant and like when crap what's the character's name the 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 geek boy who's got yeah i almost said i almost said it too because like that i didn't mind like him no that was legit yeah oh yeah yeah You, you didn't mind him having a crush on her yeah because i feel like it was just much more subtle. Oh, no. See, that's interesting. That didn't strike me as subtle in the slightest. Well, I mean, it, well, it's not... It didn't annoy me. And he's not like... Bruno. He just, Bruno. And he's not like flustered by it. Yeah. Which maybe isn't <laughs> isn't true to life, right? No, it really isn't. But also, yeah. they're legit friends. Actually, you know what? Yeah, they are friends. Actually, I have been in situations like that where I've had a crush on a friend. Me too. And yes. I have been able to keep it separate. That's interesting. Actually, I thought you were going to say the opposite, which was you've been friends with people who've had crushes on you. Well, I'm I, sure that was the case for you in high school. That's probably true, too. Yeah. But I think it is possible, even as a teenager, to have a yeah, crush on true. someone and know that it's maybe not right right now. I can testify from personal experience. That's correct. Yes. So... Fair I enough. think that that was but pretty well handled. The point being that the suggestion that she was who she was because of the mutation and, and yeah. literally yeah. as Bruno says this, you hear like the X-Men music, which was a clever little call. Yes. Like that's interesting. And that was, that was, that was lovely. Someone um, I think told me that's the first time they've said the word mutants in that context in the MCU. So yes, I believe that's correct. So very you know, that, was a, that was a nice foreshadowing. Uh, anything else you did not like Anna? No. I think I think we covered everything. And one we more were- thing I didn't like on it. I mean, we talked about the sort of larger mythology. The show ends with the the real bads being the DDC, the Department yes. of Damage Control. Yes. And 
it ends like in a mosque where, like outside the mosque, where you have like you know the the locals of Jersey City cheering on Kamala and so on and so forth. And in the moment, I kind of enjoyed it, but like as, there was also a part of me thinking, this is really heavy handed and cartoonish, and just you know, it, it was almost like they they couldn't actually have a real supervillain, so let's come in with like as cartoonish a villain as they can can to actually conclude the show. You know, it's funny. Neither of us mentioned some of the like quasi political correctness stuff that happens like i think and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing there's like a sprinkled in it there's like references to homeland security there's references against islamophobia and that's fair that's totally legit like and it's worked in pretty naturally i would say it's not like they're just like advertising like we know this exists it's it's it has an impact on the characters lives right yeah all right, should we move on to the next MCU show? Yes, let's move on to the next MCU show. She-Hulk. Yes, which, I, now we should make it She-Hulk clear. She-Hulk, attorney I, at law. Yeah, She-Hulk, attorney at law, which it, this is only based on watching the, the pilot episode. Yes, well, although we both have there. a lot to say. We do. <laughs> this was... Uh, based this on was... one episode, the rest of the show, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. It's promising, you know. But yeah. this is always how I feel watching an MCU search. But what did you like in particular, Anna? Dan, women are always angry. <laughs> 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 I really appreciate the best line in the whole show is her saying, I'm feeling an appropriate amount of rage, which I think is a commentary on being a woman. Fair enough. I'm going to dissent that is not actually the best line in the but episode. I, I will get to the best line it. in the episode. I appreciated it a yeah. lot. And it does and the catcalling scene, which is the first like the second time she hulks out, yeah, yeah, also yeah. feels I that's like an envy moment, you know. Yeah. I'm sure there are other women that are like that would be so fucking satisfying. <laughs> like because catcalls, I mean laugh, but like catcalling is No, I'm not going to laugh at that. Yeah. You know, it is I don't know if men will ever understand like how violating it is. It's like, it's a commentary on your sexuality in public. Right. And it's also vaguely threatening, sometimes not so vaguely threatening. Right. I will say, I like the dialogue that they had the guys say as they were doing, like right after that, like, you know what, you can't take a compliment or like, it was, it was like the standard, you know, retinue of all that stuff. To tell you the truth, the scene I liked better for me was the scene right before that where she's in the bathroom and like the girls come in yes. and like look at her because she's like hulked out and now now unhulked out and she looks pretty she's not looking great and they like just doll her up in an incredible way and like take care of her it was a very that actually was a really sweet scene, and I, I can attest and i've seen other women on it's social just, media attest this happens like if okay. you are crying in a bathroom at like a oh, bar or something they're very often if another woman or multiple women walk in the response will be how can i help you oh that's actually that I, that's sweet to know because that does not happen in a male bathroom. You should ask your wife about that because I bet she's I had that experience, that. either I'm on not, one yeah. side or another. And that's I think I've, I've been on both sides of that. And I, you know, I don't want to get into it, but it, it it's real. It's real, and it was very sweet. It was a very okay. sweet scene. So excellent. So what I liked, which I think you also did, was just Tatiana Maslany, who plays Jennifer Walters, She Hulk, and Mark Ruffalo in this first episode just have a remarkably easy chemistry between the two of them. And they're cousins, by the way. I don't mean, you know, um, but... Uh, <laughs> their banter she, is good. It's believable. It's, yeah, yeah, it's totally good banter. I, it was actually really funny, I thought, to have Bruce, you know, Ruffalo's character be slightly put out about the fact 
that Jennifer actually handled being a She-Hulk with almost effortlessly. Like she was, you know, she figured out all the, the stuff that had been taken Bruce like 15 years to, to do. So that was actually uh, charming. And also Maslany has to do a lot of fourth wall stuff, which by the way, for the people who objected, it's gimmicky. It is an essential part of the comic. So like this is actually true to She-Hulk as it were. I like that a lot. I also liked... By the way, uh, this might sound weird. The show is only about a half hour long, and I think it's going to be half hour episodes. I want more things in like the half hour format. We have lost the half hour sitcom. Yeah. As yeah. a culture, everything and I streaming don't like goes that. plus size. Yes, and I don't like that. I like, you know, I prefer the half hour format, I have to say. Like, there's, there's fun with that. Um, and so, you know, things don't have to be too long. What else did you like, Anna? I know that you liked this too, which is there's kind of a running joke about Cap's virginity. Yes, and... this one, no, this in fact was the best line in the show as far as I'm concerned, but you, go ahead, Anna. And I feel like, so, you know, you, you said Ms. Marvel is an acknowledgement of fandom. This, is, mm-hmm. to me, is another acknowledgement of fandom in that mm-hmm. this is the kind of argument that fans of comics have, right? Oh, yeah. There's like, would Superman kill Lois Lane if they fucked? Right. And... Was Captain America a virgin? Was Captain America a virgin? I thought that was really good. I also appreciated, sort of in the same line, just the references to the Avengers and the way that Bruce, you know, the the, the kind of fond memories of Tony Stark. The tinge of sadness also. The like tinge of sadness. It was just sadness. the right amount. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and keeping that context for him. Yeah. And I just, I just also just love Mark Ruffalo. I oh, yeah. I think he's an amazing actor, one of the best of his generation. And he's done the Hulk so well. Like yeah. it is would be such an easy role to do badly. Well, and like. many have done. I mean, it's worth remembering he's the third Hulk in this century. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like you know, uh, there was Eric Bana in the Ang Lee version, and then in the in, in the MCU version of the Incredible Hulk, it was Edward Norton. Right. And these are not bad actors, I would add. No, they're great. But yeah, Ruffalo does this in almost effortlessly. I like you. I, I like the fact that you see the Iron Man mask. That that was a lovely little touch, and also. This sounds weird. I like that you have like Jennifer at the end going, Captain America, fuck, and then they cut it. (laughs) That was genius. That was, that was, you know, way to like reference the meme to anyone who knew what it meant. And then like for the kids, they didn't need to hear that. Okay, one more thing. Yeah. I guess there's more about it that I like than I realized, which is Mm -hmm. a reference to how do you stay clothed after you Hulk out? Like there (laughs) is some problem solving, you know, put to that. Which is one of those things, like, again, fans debate, and it's one of the things that if you really want to pick apart superhero shit, you're like, what happened to his clothes? So spandex. Spandex <laughs> is your friend. I like that line, too, when he, she's like, oh, my best friend is so-and-so, and he's like, no, spandex. No, your best friend. Spandex is your best friend. Which totally makes sense. <laughs> now, what okay. didn't you like, Dan? So this is not so much what I didn't, what I'm worried about. And, like, it's not so much this episode, but, like, what I've seen from the trailers and what's going to be coming up. One thing is that, and this is both a good and bad thing. Did you ever watch Harvey Birdman, Anna? No. Okay, Harvey Birdman was an adult swim thing. It was based on a, like, 70s Hanna-Barbera superhero character in which he, like, plays a lawyer who defends Yogi Bear or, like, other, and, like, the Scooby mm-hmm, Gang and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. It was a very Adult Swim, like, meta joke thing that is extremely humorous. And there's an element of that in this show, which could be good. Because you you know already, we know already that Tim Roth is Abomination is going to show up. Wong is going to show up. I think Daredevil is going to. It looks like it's going to be sort of like a cameo-heavy show. And that could be potentially good. 
it also might be potentially not so good. Like, I, I want to know what Jennifer Walters is. I hope she remains the protagonist. Um, and it's not, like, cutting to, to other stuff. The other thing which I think we can agree on, probably, is the CGI. <laughs> you want to get to that? The CGI is pretty bad. And it's been commented upon a bunch. And yeah. I think there are some technical reasons why it's worse than even other you know, MCU TV shows. And part of it is because so much of it has to happen, right? Like, right. The very, very little of this can be totally um, practical effects if right. you have a Hulk, right? Right. And the other thing, though, is I'm sure you followed uh, the fact that it's come out that Marvel runs a pixel coal mine or something. <laughs> like, it, it, the, the, they treat their digital artists very, very badly. Yes, um, I know that has been one of the things that has come out this summer. Um, yeah. So, Part of me yeah, wonders if this is one of those quiet quitting things, like all the CGI people maybe, are doing a, a work I do slowdown. Have, <laughs> so, I, there is, yes, and that that's bad. And I think the other thing we worry about is for all the feminism in this first episode, I've seen enough trailers to wonder like how far that's going to go in the sense of like, first of all, just a simple question. Why is it when Jennifer transforms into She-Hulk, does her hair grow longer? That didn't make any sense to me. I know that's like a nitpicky thing, but it does sort of I noticed at- it too. And also it gets a blowout. Yeah, like oh yeah, it like, suddenly it's goes not from just being longer. like her hair is naturally. It stops being kinky. kinky, and yeah, and like suddenly it goes straight and more lustrous. Yeah, I it, I thought about that because spoiler alert, I want to talk about the boys in our in the next section. Oh, okay. uh, and there is a character Starlight who gets a uniform change, and part of the uniform change is a blowout. But then later in the episode, she it's longer. Mm-hmm. But then later in the episode, she's uh, back in her old uniform and her hair's short again. I don't know. Like, yeah. It's weird. Okay. It's All weird. right. But yeah, so like, leave it this way. I And I, I've i gotten the impression from the trailers that we're going to see, like, She-Hulk dating as well. And that has the potential to be really good. But I, it might not be. I, I am uncomfortable with Marvel handling, like, sex stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, the answer is they haven't handled it very they, well. they do okay. Like, I, I, like, I actually... Again, my beginning this I've been doing my annual rewatch of all the um, Avengers movies, mm-hmm. and speaking of great acting, Scarlett Johansson and Mark Ruffalo do do a great job with the tension between Hulk and Black Widow, or yeah. Banner and Black Widow. Right. I never want to see them actually get together, like not just because it would like be bad for the storyline and also can't happen now, but like just when in, when <laughs> Marvel has tried to make actual sex happen on screen, I just feel like. Well, let's put it this it's way. Never I, gone well. I can think of two times it's actually happened. One was the Eternals, and it was not good. There's just yep. no other way to put yep. it. Yep. The other was really good, I thought, but it's just disturbing in a different way, which is Jessica Jones in the first season. Oh, of Jessica yeah, Jones. yeah, yeah. That was actually a hot scene, like, well done, but, like, I don't want to see She-Hulk do that. Let's put it that way. Like, yeah. This is a different... And Jessica topic. Jones, I, I sometimes forget about, about that being Marvel. It's such yeah, a... Yeah. It was another lifetime. Right. Yeah, that was a great show. <laughs> But very disturbing one. Right, so. exactly. I have only one more thing to add. Okay. On the what I didn't like, which is this is supposedly su- going to be somewhat of a parody or, or homage to like Ally McBeal and other lawyer shows. Mm-hmm. I worry about that. Yeah, I don't, I, like I've read interviews where I think the showrunner has acknowledged that they don't do, it turned out none of the writers could really write a law show and like, oh, oh good. No. <laughs> and so like, I'm not sure how that's going to wind up playing out we'll we'll just see um yeah fair enough all right so let's go to uh 
things that we have individually watched, but the other one hasn't. I think we're going to do this in descending order of, of preference. So, Anna, go ahead. Uh, Sandman. Oh, okay. People have been talking about it. It's yeah. If people raved about it around you, they were correct to rave. Oh, okay. Uh, I was talking to my friend Cher, formerly of Sci-Fi, our, our friend Cher, yeah. about the show. And, <laughs> and there's two things. One is that there is a scene of a very dog-like animal. Something happens to it. So just oh, know no. that going okay, in. Good to know. All right. And then the lead is real hot. <laughs> okay. That, look, this is a virtue. Good to know. And it's, he's real hot and he's very goth. And that I think they do something that a lot of gothy emo e properties don't necessarily do well, which is he's self-aware about his dourness. And the show is kind of self-aware about its dourness, emo, gothness. And there's a little bit of fun poked at it. Uh, Patton okay, Oswalt plays his sidekick, Raven. And that might give oh. you an okay, indication okay. of the, the fact that the tone is not exactly what you think it would be. Okay. Good. That sounds intriguing. Something I like, which I was surprised, because like it didn't get... I don't think it made a ton of waves when it came out, but I actually thought it was quite good, is a movie for Netflix called Spiderhead. This is with Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller and Journey Smollett. Uh, yes. It was directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who directed uh, Top Gun uh, Maverick as well. Um, this was a little twisty, little psycho uh, thing about a essentially prisoners who sort of agreed consent to being tested for various drug uh, drugs. In return, they live in a pretty posh place, like, you know, and have minimal restrictions. But what they have are these drug packs, like, that are, like, essentially integrated into their bloodstream. So, like, at any moment, if they choose to consent, they will have drugs, you know, injected into them, which can cause them to be super horny or, you know, like, see things that are ugly that are suddenly beautiful or also be paranoid or what have you. And Chris Hemsworth plays like the guy running all the experiments. And I don't want to say too much about it because I think I, I would actually be interested in your take if you watch it. But there are a fair number of surprises in terms of what that movie is about and was had a satisfying ending. So yeah, you know, like I was a, it was a good little B movie and wound up being about some deeper stuff than you would have thought. It's based um, on George Saunders, did you, it, yes. a short story. So yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's going to be deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, and maybe this was an expectations thing where, like, I would like, I, I had no expectations, you know, watching it because, like, I know Chris Hemsworth has done other crap for Netflix, and I wasn't necessarily expecting great things, but like, this was a legitimately compelling movie. So it was well done. What about you, Anna? I just started watching The Boys, which I'd heard a lot about and yeah. hadn't really been interested in. Mainly because it looked a little too on the nose as far as social commentary goes. And as someone who talks about social commentary in movies at least once a week. Right. <laughs> there's a kind of a... I have you want to work bar. for it, Anna. I, yes. I have a kind of high bar for like entering into something that's going to be preachy to me, right? right? If it's too on the nose, that's not always enjoyable for me. Sort of like we were talking about They Live is didactic but enjoyable, but that's rare. Yeah. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I thought this might be a little didactic. I started it. I'm just halfway into the first season. Apparently, it gets less didactic or at least better. Season two and three. It is so fucking dark, Dan. I know. I like, watched. The, 
I watched the first season of it. I haven't watched is, seasons two or three, but I watched the first season. I am kind of fascinated by how dark it is. Like, yeah. I don't know if I really like it or if mm-hmm. I'm just impressed. Like, I don't know if I'm mad or impressed, you know? <laughs> like The way I think about it, the way I thought about it, it was that like... I'm interested. I put it at the top of my yeah. list because I'm, I'm definitely going to keep watching it. It's like, what if Zack Snyder had a sense of humor? Um, <laughs> because, like, it, it does nail the sort of superhero powers and, like, what, you know what yeah. those could actually mean in a real way, in a very brutal... It, it's also... A, it's just a brutal show. There's no it's, other way to put it. It is brutal. And I'm talking to Cher again about this today. Hi, Cher. I started to be able to guess what was going to happen by thinking to myself, what's the darkest thing that could happen in this situation? Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, yep. They did that. They went there. Yeah. So <laughs> I, maybe I will... I think if, it's worth watching, and a part of me wants to do it for the show because there is a lot of IR in that TV show. There's also a few critiques of capitalism. There's some. There's a. Yeah. There's a, 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 smidgen. a. A critique or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of capitalism. We can talk about that. Yes, when at, at some point we can put that in the schedule. Okay. Something else I'm writing, which is which is almost the opposite. You could argue of the boys is Harley Quinn, uh, which is available on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, I think that that qualifies. Can, yeah. Put those two things in the same room. Explosions. They're both R-rated. That's about the only thing they have in common. I would say Harley Quinn is animated. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco does the voice for for Harley Quinn. Lake Bell does the voice for uh, Poison Ivy, and Alan Tudyk uh, is the voice of the Joker. It is just a really fucking funny show, you know, about Harley after she breaks up with the Joker and sort of tries to sort of find her own path, you know, with the help of uh, Poison Ivy and some other sort of degrade supervillains. And then you also, you see the Justice League in a somewhat different light in in this version of events. But it's actually a, a really funny show, and also the spoiler is is that towards the uh, the end of season two, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn get together, and season three is all about their relationship. And you know, it's been kind of fun. I've I've heard really good things. I don't know yeah. why I'm resisting it, but I re- you know I eventually like with the boys. Usually, if I hear really good things, I get around to it. Like I would say, I would recommend it. It's I think you will like it in particular. It is. It's a psychologically interesting show, among other things, because mm-hmm. like it really does deal with with Harley's issues as also Poison Ivy's issues. Um, also, honestly, the voice acting in this thing is amazing. Kelly Cuoco is really good. I always feel bad for Kelly Cuoco that she for, was on The Big Bang Theory for thirteen years and was not allowed to swear because she does it so goddamn well um, in this show. That's all I will uh, say about that. Okay, Anna, what about you? So I'm also going to talk about something that's kind of the polar opposite of the boys. And but not in the comic book universe, because mm-hmm. that would be <laughs> the MCU. Right. I wanted to mention Shining Girls, which I actually tried to get you to talk about. Yes, this is on Apple, right? Yeah. Okay. It's Elizabeth Moss acting the fucking shit out of the role. And it's about trauma and oh. violence. And that's why I mentioned it sort of as the polar opposite of the boys. It's about trauma and violence and women, how women respond and process those things. I apologize that I haven't gotten to it yet. It's true. I need to. uh, uh, You don't need to apologize, Dan. It's just. No, I do. Because you've been pushing. Like, I, you know, I I want. (laughs) I should. I leave it this way. I haven't. Like, I've watched like two minutes of it. I need to actually give it a fair shake. I think it's worth watching. And I'll put this out there for everyone, which is that it deals with how do you recover from trauma? And there are time jumps in it. And 
you know, every almost every genre, you know, sci-fi adjacent show that has a somewhat unreliable narrator has to do the thing where is it their mental illness right. or is it really happening? Mm-hmm. And the show doesn't play with that too much. I kind of almost wish that they did. It's mm. pretty clear from the beginning that this is really happening. Like the time jumps okay. are happening. Real. Oh, know? okay. All right. But I kind of, in a way, that's refreshing because it turns the show into an also commentary on women being believed about the violence done to them. Hmm. So okay. Elizabeth Moss spends a lot of time having to convince people that she's this is something she's genuinely experiencing. Interesting. And I also think it's an interesting commentary on PTSD in that the way that her time jump slash trauma rep- you know, presents itself mm-hmm. is that she's suddenly a new person. Oh, Okay. She suddenly has a different backstory in a different relationship. Ooh. Yeah. And I think that that's what sometimes, you know, that how PTSD can present itself. Like, you just feel like, what happened? I'm in a, a new context now. I'm a different person than I was before. Okay. I'm intrigued. So, yeah. All right. Now you, Dan. A show that I enjoyed, I uh, just finished watching season two of, is called Upload. This is Greg Daniels on Amazon Prime. Um, it actually is sci-fi. The, the premise is that the main character uh, dies in the opening episode, but there is now a process called upload where you can take someone's consciousness, put them in a virtual reality, you know, in you know, a virtual space, and, you know, depending on how much money you have, either really enjoy it or not. I actually want you to watch this, Anna, because I do, th- you know, there's a fair amount of commentary about capitalism in this. Mm-hmm. And there's also sort of a plot of, like, why did he die? And, and, you know, he winds up falling in love with his angel, who is the company rep who has to sort of take care of him, you know, and, like, make sure he's dealing with everything okay in the uh, in the afterlife that he's located in. It's set about, I think, 40 or 30 or 40 years from now, um, but it's not precise. And, like, there's a lot of fun pop culture stuff they sort of sprinkle in about, like, where society has gone. Particularly, I like, they, they have, like, a lot of bizarre mergers you know, like Kentucky Fried Chicken Amazon or something. Like, I can't remember what they do, but, like, it's a bunch of, like, uh, amusing mixes. And, you know, just, again, also half-hour format. So, like, short, sharp episodes, really done well. Um, It's a very bingeable show, so I would recommend that. I will now say something that I liked, Dan. Okay. That is how we were doing this. We were taking turns. Yeah. So I'm actually going to mention a book, Dan. I also read. I read. I read on my summer vacation. You read. Okay. I read. Fine. We're going to read Adrian Tchaikovsky's uh, Children of Time later uh, mm-hmm. in, in our experience. But I read his newest series, which is a somewhat military-esque uh, setting. It, it's called Shards of Earth is the first one. And it's, you know, it's not super special, I'm going to say. But I did read it and I did enjoy it. <laughs> Hmm. Fair <laughs> I, like, I, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it so much that I actually bought the second book immediately. And okay. I also don't tend to like sort of military-ish sci-fi. So, <laughs> oh, and this is, sorry, <laughs> this is why I liked it, Dan. Yes. The military-ish part is that there is a engineered race of female warriors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tracks without not liking it. Okay, go ahead. Keep <laughs> Sorry, going. I sort of like, oh yeah, that's why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> who the backstory is that uh, they were brought into being by a Earth scientist who was like, "Fuck this shit, <laughs> I'm gonna go okay. create the Amazons." <laughs> 
I try to picture the scene in which that would be shot. Just like some side is going, fuck this shit. I'm creating Amazons. God damn I it. love it. And she's a female. Like, she's just like, yeah, yeah. all female society is going to work out better. Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay. And she makes them amazing, of course. And they all, okay. it, it's, and it gets a little bit into like, what would that be like if you had an all female Amazon society that turns into the mercenaries of the rest of humanity. So, mm-hmm. all right. So that's my thing. What's the next thing that you like? Well, okay. Since you went with books, <laughs> I too read Anna. Uh, so what I did was I read the last Brag. two books. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I read the last two books in the last policeman trilogy. So we talked about the first one on this show, I think back in the spring, if memory serves. And so uh, I read the, the remaining two books in the trilogy and, uh, the first one I think I, I wound up liking the best, but I will say this. I like the second the, the second and third books held my attention. Because among other things I was you know <laughs> Held my attention. <laughs> well no. Like, That's a great blurb. <laughs> I I that I think I mean that in a much more positive way than it, it sounds like in the sense of like, you know, I really would I read both of them like very right, quickly. Right. I, 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 to know, yeah. I that's sort of the same thing I was saying about the Adrian Chekhovsky yeah, yeah. stuff. Um and also like now that I've seen how it ends Without giving anything away, I will say that the ending is better than Don't Look Up. Let's put it that way. Um, All right. And there are ways in which I think Don't Look Up riffed off of it, actually. So uh, it also did paint a legitimately interesting way in which society would break down if you know the end date. So things get worse, as you can imagine. Like when we were in the first book, you know, it's like six months until the end of the world. The next two books, you know, take place like, 90 days and then the last week and the direction it goes is is entirely believable and i thought actually like in some ways the world building is is kind of the best part about it so that was well done so i'm just going to mention three tv shows that i liked i've talked about all of them in the newsletter so i'm not going to go into great detail uh evil is a show on paramount plus that's about (laughs) about a group of assessors for the catholic church they go around and assess demonic possessions okay Yeah, it got written up a very long piece in The New Yorker uh, about the husband and wife that created it. It Hmm. winds up being about a lot of other things, has Asif Mandi in it, as well as Mike Coulter, speaking of Jessica Jones. Oh, yes. And Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he he plays an incredibly hot Catholic priest. And his hotness is actually kind of part of the show, which is good, because how would you not how would you not acknowledge it? (laughs) I would say it's impossible for Mike Coulter to play someone not hot. I mean, like, that's just the rule at this point. So, yeah, totally. I was listening to How Did This Get Made, which one of my favorite comedy podcasts, and Mm -hmm. they they have a, whenever they do an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, one of them points out this, which is true and now bothers me. Well, it doesn't bother me, but, like, I I never kind of put it in this concise way, which is that rarely do they explain, like, why Arnold Schwarzenegger has that role. Like, when he's not playing, like, a mercenary or something, like, when he's supposed to be just playing, like, a dad who's Mm -hmm. enormous and has an Austrian accent, like, they never kind of, like, explain. There's no backstory given of, oh, come on, when you were born in Austria, you know, and you, like, you know, your father, the world weightlifting champion or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I appreciate that, like, there's a reason for for Mike Coulter being hot. Like, it's not just, like... This incredibly hot piece, and no one kind of comments on it. Like no. Oh, one, okay. So they do yeah. comment on it. Good. good. Yeah. Right. Uh, Moonhaven, which is a detective story in space, like literally detective story on the moon. I liked it a lot until like 
it does not end. It just it does not wrap up well. It's a, uh, it's okay. interesting, very beautifully shot, but eh, I just I, I it held my attention. That sounds really lame, <laughs> but one plus like a plus yeah, a plus enough. above that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I mentioned Four Dark Winds, which is the Tony Hillerman adaptation uh, that I. I also felt like didn't quite stick the landing, but I hope there's a season two. Okay. What do you have left? I will close with three, uh, two TV shows and a uh, movie. I would qualify these as sort of Labor Day watches, Labor Day weekend watches. If you really just want to not do much, you know, you can, you can opt for this. The first is Resident Evil, which is the television show on uh, Netflix that came out, I think in June and just got pilloried by everyone. And I have to admit watching it, I'm a little puzzled as to why. I mean, I'm not going to defend the show as great, but, and I wrote an article in Slate on this, and you can, you know, access that if you, you want to learn more about this, but I would say that, because the problem is, is that the character, the main character is annoying as fuck. There's just no other way to put it. But there are some actually smart things about the show. It's set in two time periods, one before the zombie apocalypse and one after, and so that actually adds some tension in terms of why do you get to the zombie apocalypse. But the, the show's secret weapon and it's not close, is Lance Reddick, who was, you know, was from The Wire and from the John Wick films, and, you know, is, uh, I believe, Albert Wesker in this uh, show, and those who know the Resident Evil mythology are aware of the implications of that. Reddick can't act badly. He's just Mm -hmm. really good in this. He has a fantastic scene in the first episode of this show that has nothing to do with zombies, and, like, just defines his character extremely well, and it's a, it's a, tremendously well-written scene but also an incredibly well-acted one and there's there's some legitimate comedy a little later it, it's worth watching the second is obi-wan kenobi which i did watch through the to the end did you watch all of it on or i think you gave up i right? i gave up after the first yeah. couple episodes i will it say this for me <laughs> it picks up you know there is some legitimate interesting action there is a let's put it this way I don't think it was necessary, and there are ways in which it fucks with the mythology that I'm not crazy about. That said, there are some things that I thought were legitimately good about it. Uh, first of all, again, it's Ewan McGregor and, you know, that not yep. an unpleasant uh, person to watch. I think Hayden Christensen gets some redemption in this show. Like, he, at least this way, he does more interesting stuff here than possibly the entire prequel trilogy. And there's a little more kind of a, of a low bar, but uh, yeah. yeah, but like I'm still going I'm, there. I'm I appreciate. It. I I get what you're saying. And finally, uh, there's a, 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 a the introduction of a new character, uh, one of the Inquisitors, played by Moses Ingram, who apparently caught a lot of shit on social media, and I'm not entirely sure why because she's fucking amazing in this. She well, really ra- radiates. Oh, go ahead. Well, Star Wars has an increasingly toxic fandom, basically. Well, I I mean. Okay, then uh, that's fucked in the head because, like, yeah, she no, it really, is. But it, yeah. it's also just something that sort of has you know, toxicity attracts toxicity. I guess, and like, it's she radiate like live this way. She adds a different energy that I have not seen in a previous Star Wars property, and it's extremely well done um, up until the final episode where her behavior makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But like, the for the first five episodes, she's really, really good. Um, and then the sixth episode is redeemed somewhat by a, there's an interaction between Vader and Kenobi that I actually thought they handled reasonably well. It's not great, but it's okay. 
And then the third thing is a Netflix movie that just came out uh, starring Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco called Day Shift, which I told Anna she might like because it's about vampires and vampire hunting in the Los Angeles area. And there's a union, Anna. Um, <laughs> and in some ways, one of the key uh, you know plot twists of the show is that Jamie Foxx, to keep his family in L.A., needs to get back in the union so he can earn good union wages for vampire hunting. And, he you was know, a scab. It, yeah, exactly. Well, he, well, he was right. kicked out of the union, so he was doing, yeah, he was doing scab work. It was a problem. Yeah. There are some really good action scenes in this. Right. Uh, in this, There's one, in, right, like, about smack dab in the middle of the movie where Jamie Foxx and, I think, um, Scott Adkins, who's a, a well-known action hero, and one other guy take, like, a nest of vampires. And they're, like, it's legitimately well-staged um, action and, and, you know, quite compelling. Oh, is that wait. it? Is that we? Have we? Oh, Anna? oh, oh, wait. Wait. it's like it's like the flotsam and jetsam of other things that we've ah. like been, sort of watched, but like you know didn't yeah, go. Yeah, it's non sci fi shit. Yeah, it's not sci fi. I don't but know what it's doing in space. Right, but first, <laughs> most important for the debris field, congratulations to Alwyn. Yes, because yes. Alwyn, you know, was the pet of the week apparently in the uh, animal facility where he, he studies. The animal so, facility. I, look, doggy daycare. Yeah, in, the, in doggy daycare, yes. Doggy daycare. Yes. Animal facility sounds yes. really dark. That's right. Okay, yes. Yes, sorry. Fair enough. But, you but know, yes, we... Alwyn was honored with mm-hmm. Pet of the Week, which the week. I, I think increases his chances of getting into Yale. Uh, that would be Pet of the Month. Pet of the Week is more like, you know, Cornell. Yeah, uh, you're right. It's okay. safety school. Maybe yeah, he should, yeah. he should, he should really like, <laughs> maybe like one of the weed league in the Midwest would be, Ooh, he's, okay. he is in, he is maybe in, Grinnell, Carleton, Grinnell, Colorado yeah, College. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. But now we get to talk about the other stuff we watched. That yes. we think. It, oh, congratulations to Alwyn and Karen, of course. Yes, of course. Yes, Karen, I mean, Alwyn would not be who Alwyn is without Karen. Yeah, so I think right. that just goes without saying. Okay. Okay, two other things I've watched recently that were not sci-fi, but I really enjoyed. One, it's on Netflix now, just The Hunt for Red October. It's like the ultimate comfort film for me. It's just a great goddamn film that is just sprinkled with nothing but good character actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I love it. It's like it's like every character actor is like, it's the best performance they give. Fred Thompson is great in this. Courtney Vance is great in this. Scott Glenn is great in this. Sam Neill, like they're all really just outstanding. And and it's a legitimately good IR film, I would add as well. The other one is on Paramount Plus, and I think we put this in the newsletter, but I'm going to plug it again because I actually thought it was really good. It's called Honor Society, which is a teen comedy about a girl who really wants to get into Harvard and is not above like manipulating people to do that, but winds up being uh, learning some things along the way. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also really funny and a lot of fourth wall breaking like the character talks to the camera a lot. And it, I, I blow hot and cold on that, but in this case, it works extremely well. Well, I will just uh, mention a couple of things myself. One is the HBO Max documentary series, The Anarchists, which is not, it's funny I'm putting this up. It's not great, but I still recommend <laughs> people watch it. It could have been shorter. It's like seven episodes long. Okay. But it's about something that I'm fascinated by, which is what happens when a community of like right-wingers, or in this case, like anarchists leaning towards, you know, kind of libertarian, mm-hmm. what happens when you make them all try to live together? Yeah, <laughs> I might enjoy when, that when they have to okay. live by the rules that they say that they want. Yeah, right. Yeah. So apparently, real thing that happened, which is 
uh, Alcapulco turned into kind of a magnet for like anarchists and Bitcoin speculators. <laughs> what year was this recently? Like, recently, are we talking about during the yeah, pandemic? Or? Okay, like, okay. Yeah, like, well, late, you know, from like 2015, 16 or something mm-hmm. onward. And there's a community that sprouts up. And you know what? Turns out it's really hard to live by the code of anarchism. Like, it's shit happens yeah. when also when shit happens, like, you want a state around sometimes. <laughs> sometimes uh, you, you want to have a state or a social safety net, let's say. You're, you're just breaking Robert Nozick's heart here now. <laughs> so that is fascinating. Like I said, could be shorter, but worth the ride. Okay. I mentioned this in the newsletter, but I will mention it again because I really love this as my comfort reading. Simon Brett is a mystery writer. He has many different like series. Most of them are traditional English cozies. Uh, oh, nice. okay. with like old ladies solving crimes yes he has one series which is my the series that i love which is the charles paris series charles paris is a not very good actor in london the series starts in the 1970s oh. and he solves murders as well okay <laughs> and it's it, I, it, struggling it, actors need side work so like that's that makes sense it yeah. conforms to the cozy the british cozy mm-hmm. uh, format in that it's pretty low stakes like, hmm. there was a murder, but it's, you know... But everyone's genteel about it. Uh, well, it's also, like, it just doesn't... It's not high drama. It's just the okay. writing is the writing is light. It's like a murder-she-wrote tone, you know, where enough. you don't get caught up in, like, the character's, like, inner turmoil or anything or trauma. And uh, he... Charles Pierce drinks a fair bit. Uh, <laughs> and... I think that used to bother me. I hadn't revisited the series in a long time, but here coming up on some time, not even really remembering what booze tastes like. It was somehow like, I was just like, oh yeah, he drinks a lot. That's it. That's all I got. Well, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week when we will be uh, dealing with reader mailbag. Uh, After that, there might be a a week where we do not discuss anything. There might be a slight interrupt in the schedule. And then we will get to For All Mankind. Until then, Anna. Keep this channel open for more. <laughs>